welcome to the Green Rush Podcast. I am so excited today to be interviewing Jared Mursky from Wick and Mortar. We are a podcast that highlights trailblazers within the cannabis industry and highlight the mentors on our Green Rush program. We're a cannabis business accelerator where we love to highlight all of the endless opportunities um, that are available within the cannabis business side of things. I think that we have amazing mentors from all facets of the industry, from branding to research to cultivation to insurance, all to make sure that you guys have the compliant cannabis business to be safe in this industry. But let's get to the fun things because we're gonna talk about branding and marketing today and I had to have the king of all kings when it comes to branding. Jared Mursky. So how are you doing today? I'm so happy that you're here. I'm, do- I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast and for such a wonderful interview. Uh, or, well, intro, I should say. The interview will be wonderful, but <laughs> the intro was phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. For those of you who are listening, I've been in this space for eight years now, pre-legalization in Canada, and I've seen some stuff, (laughs) right? And over the years, it's been so interesting on how we've pivoted the branding of cannabis, right? Because as many of us know, cannabis, there's a huge stigma surrounding it. The war on drugs, red reefer, all of these things that have put it into a harsh light. So every time I'm on LinkedIn and I'm looking at Jerry posting oh look at these new cannabis brands I'm I'm popping off I'm like oh my god these look like high-end luxury cars or like high-end tech just just so beautiful that you would never think it's a cannabis um, product so I'm so excited to have this talent with us today but I'm curious Jared from your perspective like how did you even discover cannabis because you must have had a different thought point of view when it came to this plant of course Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things that I think, you know, most brands forget is that there are all of these amazing communities out there that exist in the world today. And so many people want to build a brand uh, for a community that they haven't really uncovered or discovered yet. Everyone wants to kind of have this lifestyle brand, which is great. You know, they should exist because cannabis is very much a part of our lifestyles. However, whose lifestyle are we building brands for, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at uncovering opportunities as it relates to launching brands, not just for ourselves, but with, you know, clients alike, we really look at identifying existing communities or people of influence who have built communities who, you know, we can partner with because at the end of the day, it's partnering with, you know, great people and building the community as a whole being the cannabis industry and CBD industry alike uh, by bringing in these uh, micro communities to launch brands through, you're going to find it a much easier pathway to success and revenue because now you have a much targeted, uh, you know, customer persona. A thousand percent. Branding is so incredibly important on having a successful foundation (laughs) as a business period, right? So Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't even think about branding until after they've launched, which is insane because it's so important to know all of those really important answers to like, who are you marketing to it? Why are you marketing it? What does your market want it? And all of those things. So I like that you're going through it from that aspect and point of view. But I'm curious. I like to look at the people from these companies as well, like Wick and Mortar is a well-known brand in the cannabis space. Um, but for, for you, where did you 
coming through this as a personal consumer? Like, were you consuming before you started the brand or did you come out of this because you knew that there was so much work to do within this space? Both. I mean, you know, it's been now 13 years since I started, uh, you know, uh, designing myself wow. for, you know, cannabis dispensaries years ago. You know, I was doing all the design work, all of the project management, all the things, you know, um, so cool. I had a, I had a team, you know, because I had a, an agency prior called Mersky Media, but I found so much more fun and um, uh, love for the, the plant. You know, I mm. was first a consumer, became aware of the medicinal properties, became an advocate and knew that through the power of design, I could change the message and perception of cannabis one brand at a time. And no one was doing it, you know, in 2008, 2009. So I was like, all right, well, this is my niche. You know, a good friend of mine, Jay Christopher, who's, you know, uh, been a buddy of mine for, gosh, 15, 20 years now. He's our director of development. You know, he said to me years ago, Jared, you know, because uh, he's a designer and developer. And he said, Jared, you know, um, the success is, you know, in the niche. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, well, uh, you know what is that niche? And eventually, you know, I went to a dispensary and I was like, oh my gosh, these are so terrible. And then it like clicked. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I can develop a brands for the cannabis industry. And, you know, uh, so then I started my pursuit uh, to rebrand uh, cannabis. I love that. And you guys have done such an incredible job. I love that you guys are trying to recategorize what cannabis is one brand at a time because there's so many facets to cannabis that we're all using it for different things. And mm -hmm. I find that's what's really fascinating because right now in the cannabis industry, people or who are people who want to enter the cannabis industry, they're just seeing so much wellness aspect. So I find that that has been taken off like crazy wellness, wellness, mm -hmm. wellness, wellness. <laughs> how many more wellness brands can we get? But can we talk about specific um, targeted wellness things that need to be talked about, which would, which is what the whole that's point right. is. Right. And I think that's beautiful yep. that you've shared that with our listeners. Cause I'm sure many of our listeners are entrepreneurs looking to get involved within this industry and are looking for guidance um, on those type of experiences. Mm -hmm. I'm curious with you being in the cannabis media side of things, has your career changed over the year because of policy shifts? Because I don't know about you, but I, I have a personal hate for Facebook and Instagram and, you know, even here in Canada, I, you know, got my trademarks before legalization and after legalization, the word pleasure is non-compliant, you know? So how has, uh, I'm, I'm curious, how has policy shifts um, affected your career? Well, mind you, I started again, you know, so many years so ago. So I've, ago. <laughs> I've had the, I've had the ability to, you know, be involved in, you know, um, every new state as it's came, you know, online. And so having been involved in, you know, these early states, I've been able to track and uh, strategize as to what to expect each state might do in the future. Mm -hmm. So, you know, looking at, looking at Washington and how different it is than looking at California and then looking at, you know, just the path uh, it's pretty easy to start, uh, you know, creating, you know, comp models for understanding what another state might do. So basically predictions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that gave, you know, certainly us a leg up with respect to understanding how to even approach, you know, Facebook marketing and things of that nature. You know, one of our partners, uh, you know, in the UK just happened to be the guy that wrote the guidelines for 
Facebook advertising as it relates to cannabis and CBD. So, you know, there are people out there and there are ways to go about it. You just have to understand, you know, the strategy, the, the loopholes, if you want to call them that, um, and really the language. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. I'm so happy that you're saying that because it's all true. You know, if you really want to be a part of this industry, you really just have to do your homework and the homework never ends because the homework is also constantly changing. So it's important to be connected with people who are at the seat at the table that have the latest resources, um, you know, that can help you make those best choices for yourself. I'm curious because when it came to, um, you know, Pleasure Peaks, we've changed so many times our branding, but when it came to going on socials, we are a cannabis sexual health company. So it's a whole other layer mm -hmm. of censorship, of course, when it comes to sex. But, you know, we really have to be crafty cannabis companies. And it's really odd because it's the luck of the draw of which ones are getting um, targeted or which ones are, are not to be getting like, you know, taken down. I don't know if you want to Or, add or acquired. Right. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, too. I mean, at the end of the day, you mentioned it earlier, you know, you, you, you have to be very specific. You know, if you're, if you're going to be a brand that's focused on women, right. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. You're, you've got, you're, you're narrowing your niche. So you've got, you maybe your CBD and now you are focused on women. So now what is it about that female category that you're going to do to change their lives today? Right. If their problem doesn't exist yet um, and there's no reason for you know them to buy your product, then why are you creating it? People mm -hmm. need to understand that we're building products for today because people are buying products today. Yes, you can understand how to create products to, you know, better forecast you know uh, uh, potential buying habits or you know new consumer markets, but people are buying products today based on what they need right now. So make that solution more convenient for them, not more complex. So as an example, you know, we're working with this company, uh, they were called, they're, they were called uncle yogis. And, um, <laughs> I, you know, they were basically selling for the most part, generic CBD products. And I said, well, why are, I don't know if I can help you with marketing. If, you know, we can't construct a, you know, a brand that actually, you know, serves a specific purpose, right. You know, how mm -hmm. is this brand solving a problem outside of what every other you know, generic CBD company might be offering. And so I got to know them a little better and came to find that one of the partners, Arthur, just happened to be a pro golf caddy. And I was like, ching, perfect. We're going to build a <laughs> CBD brand focused on golfers. Exactly. Men golf, women golf. It's a product that command, commands a higher price point. He's already got relationships with pro golfers, um, golf club, uh, like uh, golf communities, golf, um, uh, I want to say golf clubs, but that's, you know, a club for golfers. <laughs> what do you call that? Uh, something. Um, I don't golf clearly as you can tell. Uh, but nonetheless, that became a much easier opportunity for them to take something that they're already passionate about and combine that with something they're doing for business. So, so much smarter. So much smarter, right? And now they have a brand that they can launch it to a market that they're already vested in and into a community, remember? Into mm -hmm. a community that they all already built with pre-existing relationships. So now all of these, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, clubs where they've got the, you know, the, the, their little golf store, right? Well, because he has relationships and they have relationships, you know, Valerie and them have relationships. Now they can 
Now they can sell their product much easier through that. Now they have distribution, less work. right? Boom. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's what I love. I'm so happy that, you know, you're, you're here with us because at the Green Rush program, we have so many different manufacturers that we work with globally. We have manufacturers in Canada, Australia, U.S., in India lately, and uh, we help you create cannabis and CBD products. And the thing is, is that we have so many different types of SKUs. We have cosmetics, we have skincare, we have topicals, flower. And what I love to share with people is that you have endless opportunities because we have all of these different products and applications and each one of those applications focus on different things like you mentioned and it's important that we align those entrepreneurs with their value and Mm -hmm. i find that a lot of the time entrepreneurs are like oh i know nothing about cannabis i have no value i just gotta sell cbd products and it's like no you're like a DJ come out with like a hangover cure or you're like, you're like a science guy, like come out with something in that realm or start research. Like we have so much work to do within this industry and branding and marketing is such an incredibly key point because of the stigma around cannabis and because of the lack of education, people don't know what it is. So we need to have that storytelling, a part of branding and marketing for it to truly be successful. Because as you've mentioned, there's a lot of crappy CBD products. We don't need another one, right? There's so many well, yogi brands, right? Well, yeah. And people, you know, people not spending money wisely when, you know, mm-hmm. working with influencers too, you know, thinking when you, when you think about it, uh, you know, let's use your brand as an example, right? Uh, let's the female focused aspect, you know, you've got um, a lube product, you've got uh, We've actually products. changed. We're pro- not woman focused anymore. We're actually have changed our whole okay. tagline to pleasure is your birthright, all genders, all races, because guess what? There was another market that was being kept out, the LGBTQ community. They actually were one of the largest supporters of our CBD suppositories, obviously. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was really beautiful (laughs) to make that connection, right? So we're growing as a company and an industry, totally. Well, and I mean, that's also an opportunity to segment and, you know, still have a female products and just create now two independent companies because you may have, you know, a public company who's interested in buying the LGBTQ community brand and another company who's interested in buying this female focused one for whatever reason. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, when looking at, you know, how to maximize, uh, you know, the formulations you have given how unique they may be, you know, this is an opportunity to build a brand family. And when you have more brands, much like a distributor would, it makes you far more attractive because it means that they have access to a company that has a larger selection, which is a reduction in, you know, bookkeeping and accounting. When you think about all the dispensaries and, you know, all these big box retailers, they work with distributors for a reason and not independent brands because they did it would be an, a nightmare having to manage all of those in individual accounts versus one account that handles, you know, 50 to a hundred, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's an interesting game, but then, you know, you've got marketing expenses to now consider, but again, there's, <laughs> op- there's just, there's a, there's a, there's a, um, a formula for it, but you know, it, it, it really depends on where you're at. It's all being super strategic with every single approach within your business. And I think you have to be in this industry because 
it is so competitive. There are so many players now. It is kind of getting heavily saturated. So be strategic, not only within your dollars and what you're spending, but on, you know, marketing and your investor partnerships, maybe that will bleed into itself as well. So there's so many ways to look at it, but I'm curious from your example, we have, um, you know, we have lots of entrepreneurs listening and you tell us that branding is a key component in launching a cannabis product. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really curious on what your thoughts are on what you, what creative things that you have used that have worked within packaging, because packaging is also another thing that a lot of people are fighting over, whether it's um, here in Canada, what is, our branding is incredibly limited. You can't basically do anything. And then some people yep. are arguing that we're not having um, what's it called, sustainable packaging. And some people are arguing that, you know, obviously the child lock and all of these things are so um, ridiculous to deal with. So I'm curious well, yeah. on what your thoughts are on packaging. Yeah, yeah. So like, first of all, with the child lock thing, you know, I, I've always found it ridiculous for there to be child resistant packaging on flour. Edibles, yes. Flour, mm. I mean, and concentrates, <laughs> no. Like, um, unless it's like a, dist- a distillate, but even still like, you know, a kid is not going to, you know, open it up and eat it. And if they do, well, they're not going to get sick unless they feed it to the dog, in which case the dog or the cat might get sick. But until they learn how, until animals learn how to open up, you know, uh, packaging, you know, then we have a different uh, conversation. But, mm-hmm. you know, if a, if a child is old enough to know how to smoke weed, they're old enough to know how to open up child resistant packaging. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, for that reason, you know, there's just a huge waste, uh, you know, in plastic and, you know, an additional cost on, you know, the, uh, the, the cultivators or the brands themselves. And so uh, it's just really unnecessary. But, you know, with Canada, you know, you, there's so many rules and regulations, you know, implied in the uh, Canadian Cannabis Act, I believe is what it's called. And you know, it's, it's hard. A lot of it's hard to suss out, but you know, you can't have a lifestyle brand. You're limited to colors and you know, there's like one distribution hub, so to speak, that basically supplies all of these retailers with product, which is just a huge issue I look at because, well, that's another conversation for supply chain, but. And obviously it's government. (laughs) It's our OCS. (laughs) Yeah. And so the rules, you know, there, you know, they've just made it so hard to simplify packaging from a, 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 you know, a materials perspective, but in Washington or in the the U S and the States, you know, we look at sustainability by, you know, examining companies that are, you know, taking waste from, uh, you know, cannabis products and repurposing that into, you know, packaging substrates or, you know, not putting anything on the glass and making it recyclable because the moment you put labels and shit on there, you can't recycle it. And so, you know, you, you, you put a box, you know, and you nice, you, you, you know, put that jar in a nice little box and, you know, now you can put all of the, uh, you know, artwork you want on that real estate um, and, and keep the jar, you know, as more of a keepsake. You know, so you, you can emboss it. And, you know, so that's kind like of some of the method. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super simple stuff, you know, and it's not, it's not super costly when you actually, you know, do the due diligence. There's a lot of companies in Shenzhen that will be happy to take your business and, you know, they don't charge, you know, extremely large mold fees, you know, because right now they just want to, they just want to work. Exactly. Yeah. Shenzhen is amazing. Every entrepreneur that's in tech or, you know, looking for supplies loves, needs to have a, at least one person there, of course. Yep. Yep. 
I'm curious, um, with, you know, with media changing so much, especially last year, I feel with quarantine, we have a whole new app clubhouse that kind of just took over with everything, but what are the latest media trends that you've seen that cannabis, that the cannabis sector is using that, you know, we should be having on our radar? Well, you're doing one right now. You're, you've (laughs) got a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes, girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So podcasts are great. You know, I launched mine, Rebranding Cannabis, and it's doing well. It provides a great opportunity to connect with people that are uh, perhaps a, a little bit harder to connect with, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in um, you know, uh, online, you know, because they are busy. And so, you know, having a podcast really gives you the ability to offer uh, somebody who you, you know, want to build a relationship with um, value first. And because you're doing that, then now that turns into, you know, a completely different dynamic. And so there's a lot of business development there. And, and, you know, I think another aspect of, uh, you know, what companies should be looking at, you know, especially in 2021 and 2022 is collaborations. You know, I think this is the year of collabs. You know, you look at so many artists collabing on so many different things from clothing to uh, toys to, I mean, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so brands should be more mindful of, you know, looking at, you know, companies less like competition and more like, you know, opportunities. You know, if you've got a pre-roll and you don't do concentrates, go find the best damn concentrate in the state that you're in and do a collab with them and do a, an infused pre-roll, right? Exactly. It gives them, it gives you the ability to earn their community and them the ability to earn your community. Yeah. And then you get double markets, right? Double markets. Yeah. And the cost reduction as it relates to marketing oh, yeah. is a lot, is a lot easier. So I, I am like, you know, I'm telling you, I'm predicting it's the year of collaborations. You know, you're starting to see a lot of these CPG companies now realize, oh, we should uh, invest more into, you know, our agency partners, you know? And, and so, you know, the beauty of what we've built first is an agency. So we don't need to go out and build an agency because we've already built it first. Yeah. And so when launching these, uh, you know, these new products and these new brands into the market, what's going to make this, you know, really exciting um, is, you know, just being able to tap into, you know, all of our existing clients and collaborate with them. You know, we've got clients in every medical and recreational state and damn near country who have licenses to cultivate and retail. So now we can just launch brands of our own directly through, our existing clientele. I'm so excited. Licensor. Yeah, it's exciting. So, I mean, I have, I have no doubt that you guys are going to do some amazing things with your products and I'm excited to uh, make some recommendations. I can't say most of them (laughs) would be for me, um, but uh, uh, I can definitely say that there are a lot of people I know that are going to be very, very excited about this. Oh yeah. Our products have never had problems. They sell themselves, you know, cause they like really it's do. an, it's, it's, it's an actual, there's so many sexual health issues, whether that's sexual performance, anxiety, pain during intercourse, you know, not receiving orgasms or not being able to squirt. We got your back. No problem. <laughs> tell me, tell me about that though. Like, what do you mean? So what, what kinds of formulations would one create in order to help someone uh, who has issues orgasming or getting it up, so to speak. That's not me, but just for the general public, because this is a pretty interesting conversation uh, and topic that you know I'm honestly fascinated by. 
Yeah, I love Pleasure Peaks. For those who are listening, this is the first company that I started in the cannabis industry eight years ago. And I started it because I was a holistic nutritionist being an intern at a chronic pain clinic. And there were just so many patients that would walk through the door. I had 5,000 patients. And many of them had MS, Crohn's disease, um, endometriosis, fibroids, and a lot of sexual health ailments were, were coming and saying that cannabis was helping them from fibroids. Yeah. Crohn's. My, my boyfriend at the time when I was at that clinic had Crohn's and he would, he would eat cannabis oil. That was the only thing that would help him with, with his Crohn's disease. And um, that's when I learned that edibles are a lot more effective for the digestive tract, which makes sense because it's applied directly to the area. So I was thinking if women who are suffering from endometriosis and fibroids suffering, but they say that smoking cannabis helps them, there has to be something to bet, get it more topically applied to so it can go directly to the area and that's mm-hmm. when he started playing around with lubricants and suppositories and i was dating a doctor at the time and it was so fascinating getting to work with him on the formulations and and we've we started playing around with a few things and a woman with her name's katie we tell our story all the time and for those who want to listen to youtube even more we have a whole podcast on it called the pleasure talks podcast where we talk everything from cannabis and sexual health. And Katie was was told at the young age of 23 that she would never be able to bear children, which is a very, you know, common thing for a woman diagnosed with endo. And she said or Crohn's and she said she had had sex within months, I think six months at the time. And I was so shocked by that. So we tried (laughs) lube for the first time. Wait, and did she not want to have sex? Hold on, I'm just, I have to ask. Did she not want to have sex because it hurt? Was it, it was painful? Incredibly painful. Okay, so I don't know enough about that. Yeah, know. so endometriosis, okay, so endometriosis is the nerve endings within the vaginal wall that are in constant inflammation. And sometimes it's in the uterus as well, which is why if you do get um, diagnosed, what they usually tell you to do is get a hysterectomy, which is to surgically remove your vagina or uterus or both, which I think is incredibly huge and a little bit archaic because you know when men get penis cancer we don't cut off their penises so why are we doing it to women and i think it was it was worth fighting for i just had so much compassion for these people who are suffering and they said that the lubes worked and you know we we were like wonderful let's see you know how far we can go and they said that around their menstrual periods it was still really painful for them so we went back to the drawing board and that's when we came up with our suppositories And our suppositories um, were, she used them for six months. After that six months, she got pregnant. (laughs) She got pregnant, which was wild. And we were like, what is going on? And, you know, ever since she's been speaking now at the Endometriosis Society of Canada, and she speaks about cannabinoids for, for endometriosis, and she's helped hundreds of women as well use cannabis within the bedroom. And honestly, it's not the only story I've heard of women with endo having children after the use of cannabis. I speak a lot with our pharma team. Uh, We do have a pharma team at our pleasure labs. Our pleasure labs is where we actually give out a ton of free sexual health products for people who are suffering in exchange for data, because we know that there's so much to, to find out here. I find it all so fascinating. But I don't want to take it all. No, no, this is, no, no. If you don't mind, like this, I, I kind of want to make, I kind of want to interview it. you a little bit now. Um, yeah. yeah. So, 
uh, you know, looking at looking at these products, I would imagine that there are um, probably a number number of people getting into you know that category who have a lot of uh, who have a lot of experience and those who don't. You know, I remember attending a women's grow uh, um, conference and um, I was invited to speak, which was, you know, really cool because it's, you know, a women's grow conference and mm-hmm. I'm not a woman. So like, thank you. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> am I that, do I look, am I, do I, okay, all right, I'll do it. Sure. Why not? Uh, but um, what I learned was, uh, you know, something from a group of gals who were talking about how, you know, certain lubricants were being made by companies who were, you know, obviously ran by men that didn't really take the time to understand, you know, what they were putting in their product and how that affects women internally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's certain types of ingredients and things that you just don't want to put in lube that, you know, was years ago, perhaps, but later came to uh, surface that it's probably not a safe product. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those looking at, you know, the most inexpensive solution, you know, don't really do their due diligence because well, they're not female. And so these clinical trials are important. And so is the, you know, the data like you're doing and the research. So that's awesome that, you know, you're taking the step to really develop, um, you know, clinical trials and, and, you know, testing and testimonials. And that's super cool. But with the product, these particular formulations outside of it just being cannabis for guys, I've been told that it actually reduces your sperm count if you're consuming a lot. So that gal's boyfriend must have not, or husband must not have been a big cannabis consumer himself. Um, What do you know about that? Is there anything scientific that you can share as it relates to that for men? Yeah, I was on a sex and cannabis panel and they asked that question and they had another doctor and they, uh, uh, on the panel and they said that that study was a very small study, unfortunately, and, it, and she didn't really find it incredibly accurate. I'm oh. still willing to, we're just getting So maybe into, a myth. Yeah, I, I believe so. I'm really just starting into getting into male sexual health research. And we're also doing a lot in trans research right now. So I'm really excited now that we're finally opening up. We've only really made the change this past year. Um, But there's so much opportunities as well within this space because sex and the, and and specifically the woman's sexual health organs are the least studied and least funded areas in the body. And, you know, trans people are relatively new to the medical community. So there's a lot more research that needs to be done in that area. And when it comes to sexual health, it's just not as funded because it's too taboo to talk about. So I find that I'm so comfortable talking about it and fighting for people's pleasure because I've been doing it for so long and I've learned so much on how religion, society, oppression has affected all of our sexualities. And it's important to get back to pleasure that's uncensored and really untouched again. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that uncensored subject matter because <laughs> I have some questions I've always wanted to know. Okay. So um, what if like I had a, a, you know, an an ex a while ago who, you know, she, you know, she would drink a lot of like um, pH, uh, you know, uh, different pH level. uh, I don't know what the correct terminology is, but she would drink this water at her work and it had one of those, um, you know, pH, you know, balancers. It would. So, so, so she she started, you know, she was drinking, you know, more pH and then, you know, later realized 
that, you know, it was causing her, you know, down below mm-hmm. um, to have a, you know, a, a funky yeast scent. Infection. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, well, it, and it, is it a yeast infection or is it just Probably. what, or is it just the same or similar? Because, you know, I felt bad. I was like, hey, look, um, <laughs> I don't mean to like, uh, like disrupt this, but, you know, I just, it's, it's hard to like enjoy it when you mm-hmm. have, when you smell that. And so, you know, having that conversation, first of all, is never easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if that's something that women are, you know, that's like something that they're self-conscious about. And it's like, you know, a reason or a deterrent from them wanting to be, you know, physical with their spouse, that might be, you know, an interesting niche to cover, to help because, you know, no guy really wants to have that conversation with a girl and no girl wants to, you know, talk about it with a guy either because it's just, it would be uncomfortable, I can imagine. There's so much to it. And I I love that you brought that up because what I think of is, you know, what's even harder to bring up than smelling, you know, odd is, is having pain and not being able to be intimate with your partner. Could you imagine like being pain and like not telling your partner, like, I can't, you know, and like, and it hurt and there's nothing that either of you guys can do. And this is why I just have so much compassion for people because yet again, sex education is fairly limited. doesn't matter Mm -hmm. where you are. It's fairly limited. And, you know, we're not talk, we don't talk openly about these things. So we don't feel comfortable. And I'm just like, you know, your fairy godmother to talk to you about your penises and vulvas because I love them and they deserve love too. So when it comes to, you know, pH balance, the vagina needs to have an optimal pH balance, of course. And that's why, you know, glycerins, high sugar, high salt, those things could, uh, alcohol can really cause yeast infection, which is the worst. Can you imagine just having a girl's night and an extra glass of wine gives you a yeast infection? Like all of these things that we have to deal about, right? I, I, so. I feel so incredibly thankful and, you know, more power to you for having to take care of so much other shit on top of all of the other shit women have to take care of in life. Yeah, exactly. And I want to be there with them because I know that nobody wants to take on such a, I don't even want to say icky because it's not icky. It's just that we've been taught that it's icky to talk about, but it's great. You know, as soon as you have sexual experiences that can be healing empowering spiritually like connected you'll never go back to basic sex or just you know or you know avoiding your genitals because so many of us do that whether that's religious suppression or just um or just culture of the natural of the people that are around us we need to think about sex differently and i think cannabis does that right when we smoke Mm -hmm. cannabis we think outside of the box we have all these crazy ideas we give into our urges and that's what i love about cannabis so thank you so much for helping me share some love and pleasure peaks if you ever want to talk more i would love to share with you but this episode I know, (laughs) I know, but it's so cool. And I love, I love, I mean, this is, this is what I love talking Mm -hmm. about really understanding, you know, uh, what people are doing and how they're doing it and, you know, highlighting that as well, because it's cool. It's really cool. And it's fun to be in an area where you get to navigate so many different things to help those that suffer from, you know, pain to scent to, um, uh, 
lack of, you know, confidence, mm -hmm. you know, it all boils down. I think at the end, it's like your, your products are making people feel better about exactly. themselves. You're, you're yeah. helping them become confident in themselves. And that intrinsically translates into a lot of other things because sex is a big part in life. I say, if you, you know? don't have a, a healthy sex life, you don't have a healthy life. Right. And we need to think about that all a mm -hmm. little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yep. Through that. Okay. So let's get, I'll, we'll, we'll get back to me then and you can ask all the questions. Okay. I'm done. I just, had to, you, I just had to pick your brain too. Of course. Anytime. It was a pleasure. And you guys, those of you who are listening, if you want to join and, you know, work with us, start your own cannabis company, sign up to the Green Rush program. We have over 40 hours of educational online content that shows you how to have a compliant legal cannabis company in the US, Canada, India, Australia. We got you. Right now we're with Jared from Wicked Mortar. Uh, he's the dopest and I'm so happy that he's here. I'm really curious because you've been in this space for a long time and I think that's that's why we really just vibe and we're here for more reasons than profit, obviously. Mm -hmm. We really want to rebrand um, cannabis because that's what needs to happen. So I'm curious, since you've been here for so long, um, what has been your biggest learning curve as an entrepreneur? I'm sure there's been many. <laughs> Gosh, my biggest learning curve. I mean, right? I think every, every um, you know, I tell a lot of my friends who I do a lot of like, um, you know, personal coaching for, uh, you know, you learn something new, incredibly new about yourself and about, you know, your past every, you know, five years until you're about 30, it becomes, you know, every two to three years, you're just like, holy shit, time went by so fast. <laughs> wow. I can't believe I now know all of this stuff that I didn't know before. And you're looking at things completely differently. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, Google Earth, you start at street view, but then you start to tilt up, 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 higher, higher. And now you're looking at aerial view, you're looking at everything from above. And, you know, you're, you're able to see all the streets and, and navigate, you know, everything and tell people where to go. And because you see it, you see things differently. And that's what I love about, you know, spending time doing what I love is that you get to figure out how to explore from above. That didn't mean to rhyme, but it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, I guess the biggest curveball, you know, is running an agency is tough. You know, it's mm -hmm. not easy. It's, you know, figuring out how to build a personal brand and, you know, um, you know make that a pillar of how you, you know, uh, generate business, but also educate and still remain yourself, you know, trying to figure out how to be, you know, business Jared and, you know, myself, because mm -hmm. I'm, I am a business person, but I also am, you know, silly, you know, I like to have fun. And, and, you know, a lot of the clients that we work with who I do zoom calls with, they get a kick out of the fact that I'm smoking bowls while I'm talking to them in a conference room, you know, and just having a conversation candidly, they like to live almost vicariously through me, mm -hmm. but I, I want to teach everyone that they can be themselves and they can still be fun and they still can be cool. However you interpret that. And, you know, uh, it's, there's a, there's a way to be that you just got to stop thinking so hard about wanting to impress people and just be yourself, be a good person. That's, That's it. it. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Cause like I was thinking there's so many ads that I probably set, I probably see 
every single day. Start your own ad agency. Start your own ad agency, six, seven figures. Quit your job this weekend. <laughs> Start your own ad agency. And I was just like, hey, you know, we need more cannabis agencies as much as possible because like you do, we need to rebrand cannabis, right? There's still people out there that are like, oh no, <laughs> you know, like they think it's like, or, like the worst, the worst in heroin or whatever. And I think it's really important. So what was it really like building a cannabis ad agency for you? Um, well, you know, uh, being as that I, you know, barely graduated from high school, never went to college. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, I had to learn everything from, you know, just doing it trial and error and then being resourceful and, you know, being smart about, you know, how I, uh, you know, leverage the relationships. You know, I obviously always start by adding value first because I know that if I build relationships by, you know, giving and, you know, being involved and, you know, truly caring because I, that's who I am. I'm a very empathetic person. People will want to give back to you. It is just the nature of, you know, life, I believe. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, um, you know, oh gosh, quantum physics, as they call it, you know, uh, it is uh, the law of attraction, you know, um, put it out there, put that energy out there and, and people will come back and they will help you. And, um, you know, that was really just, that was really just my focus, you know, when I started. So, you know, I'm just like thankful that. to, I'm just thankful to be in an industry with a ton of people that uh, support what I'm doing and, you know, the things that I'm talking about, because, you know, it's all, it's all out of love, it's all mm -hmm. out of love, but it's hard, you know? So it's, figuring out how to take all of these things you want to do from podcasts to social media content, to blog articles, to writing for this and being in that and developing a cross content marketing strategy that allows you to make it easier to take mm -hmm. this and bring it to these things too, because you've already made it, but now you just got to make sure that it gets over here. And so a lot of people just create what's for here and then create new stuff for here and then create new stuff for here when they could just mm -hmm. be re repurposing stuff a little bit more, um, poetically and less chaotically. Yeah. And you make it work for you, right? So you don't, it's less work on your end and it's not automated, but it's, um, there's a flow and system to it. And I, I like, I like that because I can see that in your work. Uh, it's really beautiful. You've definitely have been here for a while and your experience shows, uh, time management been, really, you know, it, Oh, that's important for any stoner. That's for sure. Including myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. So this has been such a great conversation on marketing brand and branding with Jared. Thank you so much for being here. What We have a few rapid fire questions that I ask all of our guests on the show. So I'm curious, Jared, with you, what is your favorite strain and why? Um, well, you know, I'm just going to go back to the, you know, old school, original um, Blue Dream. You know, so uh, mm. it is, it's tried and true for me. It makes me feel <laughs> really good, but I have, you know, internal debates about strain specificity given, you know, when you smoke weed and you burn it, you're putting it through what's called the decarboxylation process. And when you're, you know, putting a flame to cannabis, you're burning like 70 to 80% of, you know, all of the plants modalities, you know, that's why mm -hmm. people low temp dab or consume edibles because you get a more of the plant's profile, but mm -hmm. you know, even still not till, uh, you know, harvest direct enterprises, 
um, you know, came out with this Lacey technology, you know, they're the first company in, in the world to actually extract 100% of the plant's, you know, properties into a, you know, a capsule without, you know, uh, wasting or uh, de degrading the plant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of really cool and interesting technology out there. And I know it kind of went beyond <laughs> your question, okay. but, but like, you know, so, but I would say that Blue Dream uh, does consistently make me feel a very specific way. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, even though it does burn the, uh, you know, mod modality, there's always higher percentages of certain terpenes, yeah. right? So you know, it could, it could be in, in exchange, certainly depending on how potent it is. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a good strain. It's also Janae Aiko's favorite strain. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's a lot of, a lot of people fave strains because it's, it's an OG genetic. That's for sure. It's been around for a very long time and it's still around heavily today for good reason, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, our next question is how do, what is your most preferred way to consume cannabis? Oh gosh. You know, can I guess first? Sure. I just feel like you're a bong guy. Is that true? <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm kind of an everything guy. I, I have so many bongs, pipes, dab rigs <laughs> and things here because I get things sent to me from, you know, yeah. fans, clients and, you know, partners. And, um, you know, I love, I love flour, but I, I mean, I love it 50, 50, honestly. I also love to smoke mm. blunts too. So, yeah. um, <laughs> it, you know, I, gosh, I, you know, I can't say with certainty that there's one that I favor more than another, but I, I would tell you that I, and I would prefer to smoke flour over dabs if I had to choose between one consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I would prefer mm -hmm. more flour over more dabs. Yeah. I love them all too, but if we had to pick, mine would probably be bong. <laughs> bong? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have like a beautiful bong collection I've been working on for years. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. With our last question, what are any last tips you have, tips and tricks for marketing and branding, anything you want to leave our listeners with that are just starting out their own cannabis companies? Yeah. Um, the, the best way to earn PR, uh, you know, would be to make yourself valuable to people already writing about subjects that you're interested in building a brand about. Um, find an article that they've written, find out who they are first by going to the article and then scrolling down to the bottom or just the top. And you can generally find a link that'll give you access to their Twitter or their Instagram mm -hmm. or something and reach out and say, Hey, look, I'm an expert in this or that, or, you know, uh, I'm a subject matter expert or however you want to verbalize, you know, what your level of uh, credibility is, um, you know, let them know that you're available to help them you know, with anything that they might need more information on the next time they cover that subject, or if there's anybody that they might need for a future article that you're, you're, you'll be happy to connect them. And so that's a great way to start a relationship with, you know, somebody again, who is, you know, a contributing writer for publications. Another good thing is if you are writing content, go and find these, you know, uh, writers as well and just hire them to write articles for your publication or whatever it is you're doing to create your, you know, your, your articles for SEO, hire them because building a relationship with them will make it more accessible to them uh, as it relates to having uh, more stuff to talk about. Because if, you know, you're hiring the people that are also writing for these, um, you know, Forbes or 
High Times or MG or Entrepreneur, and now you've mm. brought them on to do some SEO copy for you, right? Well, guess who they're going to think about next time they write an article? The company that's paying them yeah. for something else, right? So there's creative ways to get smart about how you want to approach PR. But, you know, if you've got the budget and, you know, you're considering it, you know, definitely hire an agency. Chapter two agency is the uh, agency that we work with. So highly recommend them. Nice. Chapter two agency even got a plug in there. Awesome. And let us know what are some, mm-hmm. you know, things that you guys do at Wick and Mortar that, you know, some of our students might be interested in, in your services. Uh, well, we are a full, uh, you know, uh, branding and marketing and ad agency. So, you know, we provide, uh, you know, branding services, soup to nuts. So from identity, packaging design, uh, uh, product development, um, um, strategy work, uh, you know, concepting, um, also distribution, as well as uh, manufacturing. And then on the website dev, we, you know, we do full web dev, uh, you know, e-commerce, and then, you know, all of the marketing full scale stuff. So, you know, ranging from artists to helping companies launch podcasts to, um, you know, getting brands and music, music videos or, you know, TV shows, all sorts of different stuff. So, um, and then we have a lot of our own brands that we've launched ourselves in partnership with a lot of our clients. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, a a lot of love going on. Can our audience find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram at jared.mersky, M-I-R-S-K-Y. And it's spelled J-A-R-E-D, so jared.mersky. And then LinkedIn, uh, I'm also on Clubhouse, uh, which you are too. So <laughs> follow the both of us if you're not already. Um, and, you know, obviously everywhere else, I've got my you know podcast, Rebranding Cannabis, and we've got a YouTube channel and uh, Wick and Mortar, our website, you know, wickandmortar.com. But yeah, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on your show. This was awesome. And I learned so much cool stuff, which is what I was really <laughs> hoping for. That's amazing. You heard it here first with Jared Mursky from Wick and Mortar. Thank you guys so much for listening to another dope podcast for the Green Rush program. Next up, we have Woo-hoo. Steven Verbeek from Hello Cannabis. He's the CEO. He is one of the first dispensary owners in Canada and has a wicked story. You're not going to want to miss that. So thank you guys for tuning in. See you guys in the next one. Ciao. <laughs>